Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Dr. Robin Burzen, founder and CEO of Parsley Health, America's leading holistic medical practice designed to help women overcome chronic conditions available not only in NYC, but also nationwide through telehealth. Robin founded Parsley to address the rise of chronic disease in America through personalized holistic medicine that puts food, lifestyle, and proactive diagnostic testing on the prescription pad next to medications. Robin has been recognized by the World Economic Forum as a tech pioneer, named as one of the top 100 most innovative women in business by Inc. Magazine, and praised by Fast Company for founding one of the world's most innovative companies. In this episode, I chat with Robin about her holistic approach to medicine, which has helped thousands of patients resolve chronic conditions within the first year of care which is why she wanted to make Parsley really accessible to everyone. We dive into Robin's brand new book, State Change, to learn how mental health is rooted in physical health, why we need to focus on the biggest core actions that affect our mind and mood, like nutrition, sleep, movement, drugs and alcohol, and technology, which is a biggie, and the importance of diagnostic testing to help set the foundation to make us all feel our absolute best. It was so great to chat with Robin. Her book and approach completely resonated with me, and I myself am now a Parsley Health member because I too realized that I could be doing more to be totally thriving and feeling my absolute best in 2022. So keep listening for some great tips to help take your health to the next level. Robin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I am so stoked to be here. And big congratulations on your book launch, State Change. I absolutely loved it and just so excited to dive in really first to your story and then to get into the book. So thank you. (laughs) So let's start really at the beginning of your wellness journey and really what got you to become a holistic doctor. I know that wasn't the path from the beginning, which I love hearing stories of it diverting elsewhere. So let's, let's start there. Yeah. I never thought I'd be a doctor growing up. My dad is a doctor and I was always like, no way. I just didn't even think about it really. And after school, and I share this in the first chapter of the book, I, after undergrad, I was like lost in the sauce as it were in my early twenties <laughs> in New York, working as a paralegal at the U S attorney's office, which is actually like a very cool job. I mean, I was on these really cool cases like terrorism cases and securities fraud. And I learned very quickly that somebody should prosecute securities fraud, but it should not be me. (laughs) And I was not destined to be a lawyer. But what I did kind of connect to in that time of sort of wandering around the neighborhood when I had free time and landing in a yoga class, I think the biggest thing I connected to was honestly my body. And yoga helped me find not only the present moment, but also really find myself, find my passion, find my way forward, find my clarity. And I think a lot of us are racing through life, doing the things we feel like we should be doing and not taking a beat to connect within. And yoga was my first state change. And it was in that first yoga class or a couple first couple yoga classes. And I, by the way, grew up in Baltimore city. I didn't grow up with these practices, yoga or spirituality or meditation. None of them were like part of my childhood in any way, shape or form. And it was really though, in that experience, which at first I thought was super weird (laughs) that I, that I found myself kind of dropping in and finding that moment of clarity and presence that had really eluded me. And that set me off into a path of exploring the connection between the mind and the body into getting interested in health and ultimately going to medical school. So it was not a direct path at all, but here I am today. (laughs) I love that. And actually hearing that story for me personally, just reminded me how in college I first got into yoga and like, I actually haven't even correlated it to my journey until reading your book. And it was like, yeah, I early on, had felt that and that became something that was really important. So, okay, so you go on this path to yeah. medical school and then how 
how did you not go a the traditional path and go holistic path and then b ultimately opening parsley health yeah i went into medical school passionate about sort of the snowball effect of clarity and calm and focus that i experienced first through yoga and then through yoga developing a healthier relationship with food where what i ate wasn't about how i looked but rather what i ate was about how i felt and i really transformed all of my interests through that. I then went to work in NYU school of medicine in a research field and psych research. And I wasn't so much interested in psych, but what I loved about that job was that I had exposure to patient care and drawing blood and doing EKGs and interviewing patients. And I said, Hey, I want to be on my feet. I want to, I really want to be proactive and productive, but in a way that is tangible, if that makes sense. And medicine felt like a path where I could do that uh, and where I could help people. And so I went to med school already knowing that I wanted to expand on my passion for a more holistic approach to health. And yet I also wanted the most solid foundation that I could have in conventional medicine. And I knew somehow, like somewhere inside that even though that was going to be a really long road and I kind of didn't ever plan to be the world's most conventional <laughs> doctor from the day one, I knew I needed that foundation so that I would have the authority, the credibility and the knowledge to be able to help people at the highest level. And so set out, went to Columbia Med in New York city, which was an amazing experience, already interested in integrative holistic medicine and nutrition and healing and how we could bring a more comprehensive and holistic approach to health into our daily lives but it was much later than that, obviously, because med school takes a long time and then you've got residency and all that stuff. But I went through that whole journey, always knowing, always focused from day one that like somehow I would end up in that field. And I just didn't know what it would look like or how it would materialize until years later when I started Parsley. What kind of doctor was your dad? And when you were going this approach, was he like, what are you talking about? Or was he on board? He was not on board. <laughs> he is an internal medicine doc. So that means like family practice and just general GP. And later in his career, he was a um, chairman of medicine. So like kind of running the hospital kind of thing, but like very conventional medicine in Baltimore. He had big shoes to fill. He was always every year for like 15 years. He was one of Baltimore's top docs. You know, they uh -oh. do those lists every yeah. year and like the local magazine and stuff. <laughs> And so um, big shoes to fill there. And I remember leaving residency and saying that I wasn't going to sort of go onto a traditional path and I wasn't going to subspecialize in cardiology or rheumatology or any of these things. And he literally begged me to stay. <laughs> he was like, you can do all that other stuff later. And I was just like, dad, I don't belong here. I just don't belong staying in this academic medical world where Yes, it's amazing to write papers and be an attending and work in a hospital, but I just, I knew it wasn't my path. I knew that I belonged somewhere else and I needed to figure out where that place was. So ultimately then you open up Parsley Health and I imagine it wasn't what it is, the or maybe it was the concept day one. Yeah. I mean, Parsley was really born out of my experiences. I would say in med school, but even in residency in particular, where I saw in our primary care outpatient visits, right. Which are a percentage of what you do in your training is outpatient, meaning in the clinic and, and the rest is like very sick people in the hospital. So sort of that side of medicine and in outpatient though, I just saw these people suffering from GI issues, autoimmune issues, fertility issues, anxiety, depression, heart health issues, blood sugar issues. And I knew that all of these things were driving 90% of our healthcare costs. Cause they like hammered that into us. Chronic disease is, is the fastest rising type of disease. It's driving 90% of our healthcare costs, the healthcare systems, like, ver, you know, outwardly obsessed with lowering costs. Although deep down, I think they actually don't really want to do that because that's like self-defeating sort of. Um, but that's like the big MO, how do we save money all the time? And and I was looking around at what I was doing and I was like these 15 minute visits for a patient that has three, two, three chronic conditions. And even the average young person had 
IBS and migraines. They had fertility issues and a thyroid condition. They had high blood sugar and depression, right? And in those 15 minute visits as a primary care doc, we were just handing them a stack of prescriptions and referring them out to a zillion specialists, all of which were like a month or two wait. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, why aren't we just treating these problems? And the underlying drivers that connected all of those chronic conditions were food, how you manage stress, right? Like gardening and yoga will lead to a very different outcome than wine and, you know, doom scrolling your social media feed. Oftentimes these conditions were linked. They were highly lifestyle modifiable, modifiable, if not reversible, Yet we learned nothing about nutrition in medicine, even though food was the number one driver of the heart health issues and the blood sugar issues and the migraines and sometimes the depression and oftentimes the PCOS, which was driving the infertility. And yet these 15 minute visits, I would just hand people a stack of scripts. And I was like, this is broken. And so I knew that holistic medicine and a more functional approach to health could be the answer to all that. But I also knew, and I went after training, I went and worked at a super high-end functional medicine, integrative medicine practice in New York City. And what I saw there was like, wow, this medicine's powerful. This medicine works. These people who have nowhere else to go and who are sick of feeling like crap and, and are looking for a more sustainable approach to their health are getting better. But this place is a thousand bucks an hour, and this is not going to reach a big audience. Like it doesn't work and it's mm -hmm. here, it's local, it's in the middle of Manhattan. And so my, th my hypothesis, which remains my hypothesis today, even though we're a much larger, more scaled service now is one, we need to make this medicine, the standard of care. We need to make it available to everyone Two, We need set technology and data to support that because without those things, it's not going to reach out to everyone. And that three, we need to bring medicine where you are. And so we were doing telehealth five years ago before it was a thing, before it was cool. Because the idea that you should have to live right next door to the best doctor to get the information and guidance from that doctor is literally ridiculous in a planet where we're sending emails to the other side of the globe in an instant. That makes no sense, right? And so- we, I developed sort of the, the first version of Parsley, which had like a tiny little clinic in New York City with our office in a WeWork <laughs> with me and two part-time health coaches and like one office manager. And the four of us, I was like, everyone, I have three months of runway. I'm not taking a salary. <laughs> we may be gone <laughs> faster than you can say, boo. I've got enough to pay y'all part-time and the rent. And like, literally that was it and bootstrapped completely the first year or two of the business and didn't take a salary for a long time and just sort of put out this idea of an annual membership for your, that included your medical services and your health coaching and unlimited messaging and telehealth or in-person, whatever you wanted. And we started out that way five years ago. And since really since 2018, when we first raised significant capital, we've raised over hundred million to date. And now we're live um, nationwide, which is. That's amazing. Crazy. Crazy. That that's, so crazy. that's the, that's where we're, where we're at and no, no slowing down a lot more to come. So. Well, I've always just loved what you've done and the model just makes so much sense. It's, it's really exciting of where the future for you guys is, is headed. Thank and you. I just signed up actually oh, wow. <laughs> Yay. after reading the book. I was like, how am I not signing up for this? <laughs> so Amazing. we all need expertise and guidance. Like, like yeah, health, health is not something you can do on your own. Right. And that was for me. I'm like, I'm a really healthy person, but like, I need to take things to the next level and I need to be testing some of these things and I'm not. So yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into the book. So yeah. Just launched State Change, a 30-day plan to reset mind and body, or mind and mood, I should say. And you explain that state change is when you use your body to change your mind and mood. Mental yeah. health is rooted in that physical. Can you kind of explain what that means and, and the idea for it? Yeah. So I wrote the proposal early on in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, which sounds weird, but... And was that always your plan to write it at that time or 
pandemic no. and you're like, hey, this is perfect opportunity. Well, it was sort of a combination of factors where I'd thought about the book for a long time, but like between being a mom and running Parsley, it was like, no way. And I had had this idea for a while because, but just no time to write the proposal. And the reason I'd had the idea for a while is because as Parsley started to grow and we started to hire more and more physicians to on our team and coaches and, and started to see more and more patients, what we saw over and over and over again was that people were coming us to us with physical health problems, right? We're not psychiatrists at, at Parsley. And they were coming with GI issues, bloating and IBD and IBS. And they were coming with heart health issues and weight gain and joint pain and autoimmune and what I call period problems, like all the stripes, right? PMS to menopause and everything in between. And as I saw that, what we would see is that people would come for these physical problems, but we always do a whole mind body assessment. That's kind of how you kick off your experience at Parsley. And over and over again, we were identifying anxiety, chronic fatigue, depression, and insomnia. And it F.41, which is the diagnosis code for anxiety was the most frequent ICD-10, which is the codes that you code medical diagnoses at Parsley. And I was like, this is crazy. And then what we also saw over and over again was that when we would address some of the physical symptoms um, and physical conditions people were dealing with, their mental and emotional well-being would radically improve. And I was getting emails from psych people, psychiatrists being like, thank you so much, Robin, we'd really hit a wall with this patient. And they went to Parsley and you diagnosed a thyroid condition, which was the root cause of their depression. Thank oh, you so wow. much, Dr. Smith. I'm making that up, but doctor, whoever at Parsley, this patient was really not responding to our medication regimen for their anxiety. And you helped them address their addiction to social media and news feeds and technology. And by doing a detox there, their diet, their anxiety went to nearly zero and they stopped having panic attacks. Thank you, Parsley Health for recognizing that this person actually had really severe adrenal fatigue after being a mom with two kids and back to back and no support and no sleep and working. And really she just had clinical burnout and her depression wasn't really getting better with a medication or with therapy because she needed to rehabilitate her entire adrenal cortisol system. And so that was the aha moment for me over and over and over again. I saw how for many people, not everyone, but for many people, we are living day in and day out with body-based burnout, body-based brain fog, body-based depression, body-based anxiety, and that people were hitting a wall, if, even if they were lucky enough to have access to mental health support, right? Which many people don't. And that even those who, you know, whether you had a long-term history of anxiety, depression, or it was something that was just recent, like situational, like during the pandemic, or something happened in your life, if you didn't take care of your body or the body side of that, you could like, it was like trying to climb Everest and not even getting to base camp. You were just going to hit a wall. And so as the pandemic started and my social life disappeared and my travel disappeared and I'm stuck in a tiny house with my new baby and my toddler and my husband just trying to figure out everything. And I'm working my tail off because as any business, right, we all like, we're like, is the economy going to just go away? right? Like, is everything going to stop? Is everything we built disappearing? Like there's that, that initial, just like, no one knew what this could, how, how, what this could mean and how long this was going to last. And so in that, I was like, this is a moment where I weirdly have, I can only work so many hours a day and at nights or weekends to give myself an outlet. I wanted to put on paper as it were, although type <laughs> computer paper, <laughs> the recipe, the roadmap, the solution to how we can use our bodies to heal our minds. Because I was like, I needed in that moment to remember my tools. I needed to remember to eat well. I needed to remember to exercise. I needed to put all of these things down. I needed to remember to use my supplements because otherwise, like even I was going to succumb to all of this. And so it just sort of like clicked. And I was like, it's time. The universe is telling me it's time. We just got to do this. Well, it was perfect timing, no <laughs> doubt. So why do you think 
COVID aside, which obviously created such greater problems from a mental health issue, but why prior to that, like, are we all filled with anxiety, depression, not sleeping, et cetera? We are a setup for sickness and it's not just physical sickness, it's mental, emotional sickness and the way that we're living our lives. First of all, 60% of American adults have a diagnosed chronic condition and tens of millions more are living with one and don't know it yet because to the point you just made, when was the last time you actually got tested? Do you know? You don't know. And so a lot of people are not getting kind of standard proactive preventive medical care or identifying these underlying issues and things like a thyroid condition, a blood sugar condition, inflammation, autoimmune, these types of things are insidious, right? They happen in the body for a long time, years, sometimes decades before they manifest in something you can feel. But sometimes that, that alarm system in your body isn't like an ache or a pain, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's brain fog. And so we're living with chronic conditions, more than 50% of us as adults. And that is a huge driver. And that's just been a link that modern medicine hasn't made. We've separated mind and body in modern medicine, psych department over here, physical health over there. The two don't talk to each other, but that's not how the body works. And so that's one. And then the other big one is that when I say we're set up for sickness is that we're eating pounds and pounds of sugar a year, 70% ultra processed foods. We sit 11 hours a day when the body's actually designed to move emotional energy through movement. We are addicted literally to our devices and they are depleting our mental health. And this is proven in the literature. And so if you think about you and I, where we know, right, all this stuff, you could say, and a lot of people, you might say, know this stuff. I would say most people don't know this stuff. Most people don't know that they're making a choice when they are eating a certain food to um, have, have a migraine because that connection has never been made for them. So they're not making a choice because how do you know? Mm-hmm. But even if you feel like you are reasonably healthy, most of us still eat too much sugar, highly processed diet, sit too much, look at screens too, too much. And then when you throw the sort of common ways we're all socialized to deal with our stress, alcohol, drugs, eating on top of that, you just have a bonfire of insidious kind of mental illness. And it doesn't mean necessarily something like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, which is worsened by everything I just said, but not caused by it. It's, it's the low grade or sometimes high grade burnout that everyone was experiencing before the pandemic. And I'm one silver lining. I think of the pandemic is that it's shown a big spotlight on this crisis and show that we can't afford to ignore this anymore. I think also to your point of not knowing that there's so many people who just don't know that what they're feeling could be better, that they're just living in this state of like, okay, well, this is normal to feel completely stressed out and to be having a stomach ache all day or what have you. It's it's really like that awareness that, I'm excited that yeah. well, we as book women helps get, to inform. Women especially, right? We get told that our problems are in our head. I had a patient who's, she was depressed. She was gaining weight. She was had, had, had dry skin, some constipation. She was in her forties and her general practitioner told her, you're just getting old and recommended, or you're just depressed and recommended some Zoloft in like a 10 minute visit and sent her on her merry way didn't even do any testing. And she came to Parsley and she had, was one of the one in eight women who we diagnosed with a thyroid condition in her life, but her doc hadn't even properly tested her thyroid and she had low thyroid function. And by treating that, she not only didn't need an antidepressant, all her other symptoms went away too, because again, the body is an interconnected ecosystem, that bloating and those headaches and those skin rash and the joint pain, All of that may be connected, but you need a doctor who's going to look under the hood, put the pieces together, connect the dots and ask why and identify the root cause. And very few people have that, which is again, back to why I created Parsley, but I also wrote state change just to help people make those physical mental connections for themselves. Because a lot of this, you don't need a doctor for, you can just do on your own. Let's dive into some of these core 
actions that you call them throughout to really help. And the first being technology, which I think this is such a big piece that we, I think, yes, a little bit people know, but to the extent of like how it's truly affecting us. And I even think about it from like, we're so multitasking, unfocused, something I at least identify with that it's affecting. So if you can talk a little bit about how it's affecting us and, and what good tips do you have for staying off our devices? Yeah. So this one's a tough one for all of us, right? Because we're like, this is how we live and work. Our devices are not going away. But the average person, I think it's 80% of Americans feel anxiety if their phone is more than five feet away from them at any given moment. That's insane. (laughs) And the research has proven that these devices are without question, social media platforms are lowering our self-esteem, especially as women. Teenagers is even worse the constant scrolling and inhaling of information that's highly stimulatory and frankly designed to make you angry or make you pay attention, whether it's the news or social or whatever it is, is disrupting your sleep, is causing anxiety, that looking at screens all day is exhausting to the brain. So that feeling of burnout is not just like, I need a day off. It's like, no, you're doing something all day, every day that is exhausting to your brain and your eyes. Okay. So I think the first thing we have to understand is that these devices are not going anywhere, but they're also our relationship with them and how we're using them today isn't very good for us. So we just have to accept that. It's not you. Like, it's not, I hear a lot, like people sort of think like, oh, that's a problem for someone else. Not really a problem for me, but I don't know a single person who doesn't go on vacation or go to the beach for a week and like, not look at their phone. Who's not like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Right. (laughs) Totally. And so um, listen to that. So what do you do, right? You're not going to throw everything out the window because you need it to live and work and, and shop and do all these things. So what I recommend is stop looking at your screens an hour before bed every night. It's going to massively improve your sleep quality, no matter how many hours you're sleeping. So find something else to do, whether it's doing a yoga class, taking an Epsom salt bath, doing your breathing and meditation, getting out a pen and paper and journaling, prepping lunch for your kids the next day, right? There's always something to do, but there's things to do that don't involve scrolling or looking at your screens. The next one I recommend is practice, like building a muscle, how to have fun without them. And that means like, say Saturday mornings, you're no screen time, but what are you going to do with that time? Not, not looking at your phone. And a lot of people I think have sort of forgotten how to entertain themselves or go find something to do without it. So go for a walk or go to brunch or (laughs) like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Right. But organize your house, but like finds, I derive pleasure from that. I don't know if anybody else does. (laughs) I, it helps, it helps me. It's soothing to me, but you know, practice that. Right. And that skill, that skill set, because I think it's so critical that we remind ourselves every week how to detach from them. Another one is if you're on video calls all day, like I am, try to make a certain percentage of them, at least 25% audio only, because looking at yourself and all the other people on screen is actually something that human beings were not designed to do. And so it's very, it actually has been shown to be extremely taxing to the brain to be constantly looking at a mirror image of yourself and somebody else and often multiple people as you're having a conversation. So those are some of my tips. And I think we just need to take back our power from the, the screens a little bit so that we can use them, but use them in a healthier way. Yeah, I think even putting just a reminder or I don't know what they call it on your phone so that it limits, mm-hmm. okay, you're only on social for X period of time. Yeah. Yep. I just started to do that. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I have the limit set on my apps all the time. And I, it says like, you've hit your limit for whatever app today. And that's amazing to have on there. And then doing a, a detox. I think we underestimate this sometimes. I write about this patient in, in the book, but she was having pretty crippling anxiety at one point. She was seeing a psychiatrist and she was one of these people. Not everyone responds to antidepressants and some of the prescription medications, so she was one of these people who was just a non-responder and they hear psychiatrists had tried the different drugs and I had supported that. I was like, you know, her anxiety is the point she really needs prescription medication support for sure. And, but it was frustrating because none of these, none of them were really working for her. And we were kind of hitting a wall, honestly. And I was like, what are we going to do? Uh, and she was like a young mom 
And this was really getting in her way, having panic attacks, really not sleeping. Her sleep was, had sort of like jumped the shark from her anxiety. And so I sort of did a, I was like, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's go back to the basics. Like how much time are you spending on your screens per day? And I hadn't asked her that in a while, like since our initial intake and she'd been my patient for a while. And I was, she was like, oh, I'm spending like six hours a day when I counted up kind of looking at news feeds and looking at social. And I think a lot of people are hitting those hours without realizing it when you, when you kind of combine all the snippets. And I was like, let's just do a detox, delete all the apps for news feeds, social for a week. And she did. And her panic attacks went away and her sleep got massively better. And so she did it for a month and it was like, oh my God, (laughs) this was driving this was, and she's always going to have underlying anxiety. Right. But like, she has to know that. And so as that person, she had to learn for herself. And I was a great learning for me, even as her doctor that, wow, like she, as somebody who suffers from anxiety, cannot, cannot spend this time on these platforms because it is sending her over the edge in a way that even medication can't control. Wow. That must've been pretty eye-opening and not only for her, but you and was wild. how you can use that as a tool. Yeah. So on the topic then of sleep, let's jump into that. Mm-hmm. And really like what happens when we sleep? Why is it so important? And I think to me, that's one of the other biggest offenders that just so many of us are not taking those hours. Mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with my whoop. <laughs> so really <laughs> tracking my sleep and um, yeah. yeah dive into that track. I was about to say like, get a tracker. Cause you might be sleeping fewer hours than you think. And I always tell people, even if you borrow somebody's and wear it for a week or whatever, it can be really instructive. The other thing is like from there, take a test drive on what nine hours of sleep feels like a lot of people, a lot of people think that they can get away with like six, seven hours or seven and a half. And a lot of people really need eight to nine. And so I'm like, test drive for a week, nine hours of sleep, see how you feel. The reason being that you might need that time to get through the number of three to four full sleep cycles that are going to allow you to feel fully rested. And so that is just, can be really eye-opening for people going to bed a little bit earlier can massively help because we all have people sort of talk about that second wind you get around midnight. That's like a second cortisol spike between 11 PM to 12 PM for a lot of people that if you go to bed by 10, you'll skip and end up having a deeper and more high quality sleep throughout the night than if you went to bed just an hour later, even if you got the same total number of hours. The nighttime is when the brain takes out the trash of the day. So your metabolism, the brain cells doing their work, make trash, they metabolic trash, chemical trash. And it's like, if you just went through your life in your house and you just didn't clean up your house ever, and you didn't take out your trash, after like a couple of weeks, like your house would be like a place that you couldn't function in, right? Or your apartment for me here in New York. So it's the same way. Your brain actually washes itself at night. It's like a cleaning service, like shoosh. And then in the morning it's done washing. But if it doesn't get to do that washing cycle because you're not getting enough full sleep cycles, you literally builds up debris. And then you can start to feel like burnout, poor focus, poor energy, low cognitive function. And then that tends to compound because then what do people do? They turn to the sugar, they turn to caffeine to try to like keep themselves going during the day to give you those like stimulatory spikes that like adrenal fight or flight spike that sugar or caffeine gives you to just try to make it through the like underlying core fatigue. And so taking your sleep seriously and focusing on quality sleep is one of the best things that you can do. Sometimes just chronic sleep deprivation. And I don't mean like getting two hours a night, but like maybe getting six, seven, or maybe getting really poor quality sleep for a long period of time, that type of sleep deprivation can mask as depression. And so I always say to my patients, if you're not sleeping, like we got to fix that. Cause if you're not sleeping, like none of the other stuff we're trying to do here is going to really work. What are your favorite tools to use for better sleep? Like from a supplement standpoint or yeah. Other. Uh, I love magnesium glycinate or magnesium three and eight. So I take a few hundred milligrams of these forms of magnesium at bedtime. They help me have, relax and have a deeper sleep. 
be careful. It's fine to take that every night or is that totally yeah. fine, non-addictive Xanax, but non-addictive, totally safe. Be careful out there. There are people, some people mistake the mag and they get the mag oxide or the mag citrate. Make sure you look at which kind you get. Cause those will make you poo. They will not help you sleep. <laughs> so just be careful. Cause if you're like, wow, I'm not so relaxed, but like, whoa, you probably got the wrong kind of magnesium. And then I also love some supplements or some really great compound relax supplements. I talk about my supplement regimen and supplements I recommend in the book, including L-theanine, GABA. These can be really helpful, natural, non-addictive sleep aids. I love a dark, cold room. So your sleep environment really needs to be upgraded. And temperature is actually really important for hitting that um, deeper sleep cycle. And then do not mistake alcohol as a sleep aid because it might help you conk out but it is disrupting your quality of sleep. So alcohol in the evenings leads to your body not being able to drop into its lower core body temperature or heart rate that you need for deeper sleep. So I see a lot of people make the, the alcohol mistake thinking it's helping their sleep and it's actually really hurting it. How do you feel about CBD for sleep? It's great if it works for you. And I find CBD is one of those things that is like hit or miss. And for some people, it seems to be really effective. And for other people, it doesn't seem to do anything, but worth a shot. All right. So moving on to one more bucket in your, in your five, let's talk about exercise. So the body is designed to, to move emotion through movement, to discharge emotional energy through movement. So that is in our, in our makeup, it's in our code. And so moving your body isn't about, from my perspective, getting fit or looking hot, it's about how you feel. And when you take away the pressure to work out because you should, because you're gonna fit into your pants, right? Which we as women, it's the last thing we need is that pressure, right, on exercise. When you take all of that away and you're like, yeah, I'm going to move today because I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel clearer. I'm going to feel calmer. I'm going to sleep better. My digestion's going to be better. Wow. That is for me, at least a huge unlock. I hate the gym. It's like not my jam. I don't want to be in there. <laughs> so I'm a yoga nerd. I love yoga. I had to really get over. I hated doing online classes before the pandemic. The pandemic taught me through necessity to get over that and like them. And I write in the book a lot about moving to balance the body, to move that emotional energy through your cells and out so that it doesn't stay. Because when you have deep emotions and deep anxiety or deep fear or deep sadness or grief, right? And you don't move to move that energy, it can stay stuck in the body. And that can lead to disease and pain and dysfunction. And so we, we recommend, and I recommend a really balanced approach to movement, trying to get just 20 or 30 minutes in every day. I also think time can be a big barrier. Like you're like, Oh, I have to work out for an hour. I mean, if that had to be for me, I would be like, forget it. Yeah. I have three little kids work is crazy permanently. There's social life. There's always something, but I really recommend doing something like yoga or Tai Chi, which is a really soothing, calming and joint stabilizing and, and muscle stabilizing type of exercise. I recommend doing like weight training really benefits cognitive function. And you can do bands like resistance bands or medicine balls at home. You don't have to go to a gym and do a fancy thing. You can also get a trainer to just show you a quick gym routine. If you do belong to a gym, most gyms have trainers and you don't have to have like a personal trainer for years. You can just get them to show you one or two routines that you can just do on repeat. You can be in and out of the gym in 15 minutes if you learn a great resistance training routine. And so these things can be really nice balances and are actually critical balances and better for you than kind of slamming it out on cardio for hours at a time, which can sometimes actually backfire for people when it comes to energy, mood, and also weight. So switching gears a little bit to testing, because that's certainly a big thing that you talk about in the book and in your practice. And one of those eye-opening things for me that I was like, God, I'm not getting any of this done. Can you talk about how you use testing and really how the approach is different than what most people may be getting or not getting? And yeah. So testing proactively is, needs to be the way that we all think about diagnostic testing. 
if you're only getting a blood test when you're like feeling horrible or like the wheels are falling off the wagon, like we're doing this in reverse people. And so everyone should be getting some basic testing every year, if not twice a year. And we outline this in the book and you can take this to your regular doctor. These are bigger basic blood tests. You're, they should be covered by your insurance. And, and even if they're, I mean, they are, but you know, if they're not the, or there's copays, they're not expensive tests. You can also go to parsleyhealth.com slash insights and you can get a symptom score. And then we are offering an at-home test kit that covers these items too. So there's lots of ways, point being, to get this test and proactively looking at your blood sugar, your heart health, your thyroid, certain nutrient levels and inflammation is critical. Like commit not, like do not pass go, do not skip do not collect $200, like do this. And these markers are the defining and tracking markers for many of our top chronic illnesses. They're also the ones that can show if we're headed in the wrong direction. And these things, the inflammation levels, the thyroid levels, the blood sugar levels, these can be really um, instructive in understanding if you have any kind of underlying chronic illness that is causing your brain fog, anxiety, depression, or is worsening those symptoms. And so I walk you through those basic tests in the book and there's a 30 day plan, which is a Kickstarter plan that like everyone should do that addresses which tests to get our foundational supplements, the foods and how to approach food, how to approach exercise, all the thing. And then we have an advanced plan in the book for people who are have already gotten a lot of those tests or done a lot of these things. And then we talk about some of the tests that are what I call fancy pants tests, but things looking like at adrenal health and genetics and certain gut microbiome assessments, which I don't think everybody needs to start with, but I would say if you've already had the basic testing and you're dealing with a physical, a set of physical and mental health symptoms that some of these fancy pants tests that typically um, a functional or integrative provider knows how to order and assess they can be really valuable in cracking the code as it were to what's really going on. So as you think about the foundational things to do, like get the testing and then kind of your five core pieces of sleep, exercise, technology, nutrition, and alcohol and drugs, uh, the two other bucket, which we didn't really touch on yet, but how do you, like, I like how you make the approach of, you don't need to fix all of them at once. Like that is very overwhelming. Is yeah. there a place that you typically start or really leaving it up to, hey, what what's not working for you? So I provide in the book two self-assessments because that's a great question. Like where do you start? And how do you know if one of these things is a problem for you or not, right? Like how you're eating could be fine. You may not have any food allergies. You may not be eating too much sugar, et cetera. So probably are, but um, <laughs> haven't seen the person yet, but it could be you, you listener could be the magic person who's not eating sugar or processed foods. And if you are congratulations, but you could have food allergies or there's, or technology might be your thing or drinking alcohol too frequently for what your body can handle there. What is it? So there's two assessments in the book. First is a head to toe symptom score. And it looks at nine body domains. And we developed this at Parsley. We actually researched it, developed it. It's now in use um, in research Stanford University is using their, some of their medical research. It's amazing. And it looks at, it gives you a score of your symptoms across your mental health, your physical health, nine body domains. So musculoskeletal, gut health, hormones, mental, and it gives you a number. And we recommend that you do this every couple of weeks. It takes about a couple of minutes and you can do it on paper in the book, or you can do, do it online at parsleyhealth.com insights. And we'll give you your score. And, and why this matters, by the way, is that if you don't know where you are, it's impossible to figure out where you're going. And the symptom tracker, as we call it, allows you to kind of be like, oh, I've re- my hot spots are really my gut health and my, and my mood. So maybe there's a connection there. And when one flares, the other flares, mm, maybe there's a connection there. Like for my patient whose brain fog was entirely caused by her small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is a phenomenon that also causes bloating and digestive upset. And so when we, we treated that, which then her brain fog went away because the two, the, the gut microbes and the, and the men, your mental health are highly uh, connected. And so get your symptom score. The next thing that I recommend that you do is our self-assessment, which is in the book, which is looking at 
it asks you to sort of rate on a scale of kind of sometimes to never to always how often you're eating in a certain way, what your sleep is like, how often you're exercising. And then you do this honest self-assessment and no one's looking, but you people. So be honest when you do the self-assessment in the book, because you about believe the things that people tell me, like as their doctor, yes, I exercise every day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know why you're lying to me. Cause it doesn't help me. <laughs> it doesn't right. help you. Um, but people, everyone wants an A for effort, but do that self-assessment in the book because it can help you pinpoint the place to start. So I wouldn't just randomly try to grab something, nor would I say like change everything about your life and your core actions right now. And by the way, I call them core actions because these are not habits. Like what you eat every day is not a habit. (laughs) A habit is like biting your nails, right? What you eat every single day is not a habit. That is like a core foundational aspect of your life. Right. And so I really just like, you will not find the word habit in the book because I can't stand that when we talk about these fundamental things as habits, they're not, um, they're core to your being and food is truly medicine. And so when you do the self-assessment, it can show you like, which area should I start with first? Because what I find is just like for me, yoga snowballed into eating healthier, snowballed into moving differently, right? One led to the other. When you start with this, the one aspect of your one core action that is the most impactful for you, you start experiencing that state change. You start experiencing more clarity and calm and focus. And you're like, huh, I kind of like this. And that gives you that leg up to then try another one and to add to it, but don't try to do everything at once because it's too much. Yeah, I love that approach. And it's so true. I think once that one thing starts to change, it almost becomes addictive of like, wow, I start to feel so much better and I just want more of this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So what's your morning routine, your kind of nutrition look like? I'm curious for you personally. I have no morning routine right now to speak of because let's be honest, people, I have a 12 week old and a four and a half year old and an almost two year old. And all I can do is like get up in the morning and ask myself, which one is screaming right now? (laughs) Um, Someone wants my boobs. Someone wants breakfast and someone wants a diaper change and who I'm going to get to first is like roll the dice. So I I survive my mornings right now, (laughs) to be honest with you. I try instead because mornings as a, as a working mama and, and just as a mom in general are not happening. I try to have my evening routine, which is I try to not look at screens before bed. I take some downtime and I'll try to combine like an Epsom salt bath and my meditation or do my meditation at night, do my yoga at night. So night when like everyone's in bed and I can't, and no, I shouldn't look at my computer or my phone anymore is when I'd sort of all my self-care happens. And so I just say that to share with everyone, like, it doesn't have to be picture magazine. Perfect. Like you read of these stories about a morning routine. I used to have a morning routine right now that is freaking out the window. So like find the time that works for you. Right. And so relaxation at night and self-care at night is really where it's at for me before bed. And then that also is like a double shot because it adds in to my making my sleep quality better than it would be if I were like running and gunning up until the moment that I fall into bed and then suddenly try to fall asleep, which wouldn't be happening. Food wise, like food's my non-negotiable. I just won't put bad food in my body. And I know how horrible I feel when I eat sugar because I, because I generally don't. And so like last, what was it? It was, oh, it was yesterday. I, we were at like a three day meeting for our executive team at Parsley planning and finalizing our 2022 strategy. And someone for the afternoon, pick me up, even on our team um, brings in like they're gluten-free cookies and chocolate, but nonetheless, and I had some, and I was like, I immediately just felt it. Right. I just felt like, like I felt like vaguely nauseous and like a little jittery. So listen, that's okay. I can have the half a cookie or whatever, but I, I need to balance that. So like my meals are eggs and avocado for breakfast and a lunch that was grilled tofu and Brussels sprouts and beets and lentils and, and salad and rice. And like I like hot meals for lunch. I don't like eating salads. They're not satiating enough for me. There are some roasted squash in there. And dinner was beef tacos um, and guacamole 
um, out to dinner last night. So like I will eat well and I'll eat a lot, but I don't eat processed packaged food because when I do, I feel horrible and then I can't get through the rest of my life. Yeah. I think once you haven't been having sugar and then have sugar, it is like toxin to your blood. Yeah. Your body immediately reacts. If you get sugar out and I recommend this in the book, like do try a five day sugar detox, right? So just eat real whole meals. It doesn't have to be vegan or anything. Like you can eat meat, clean protein, fish, vegetables, whole grains, eggs, nuts, and seeds. Eat that for every meal for five days and don't have anything packaged. Don't have anything with added sugar, maybe one serving of a whole fruit a day, but that most, it's not that you can't have any fruit, but you know, have some, but don't go crazy and see how you feel. And then after that, go eat a bite of that cookie or that candy bar. And it like honestly tastes kind of disgusting. Your body reacts to it immediately, but our palates are so habituated to it that we know we sort of get, we don't feel it anymore when we've been having it too often. All right. So we're going to switch gears to end the session with some rapid fire Q and a. Uh Oh, (laughs) all right, here we go. The best advice you've gotten in the past six months. Listen for that whole body. Yes. When you feel that yes, then it's a yes. And if you don't feel it, it's your body telling you that maybe it's a no. Favorite supplements. Ooh. Gosh, I mean, my, my methylated B vitamins that are part of our state change starter kit supplement pack, but I, I take my multivitamin that has my methylated B vitamins every single day. I take my omega threes for mood. And I also take vitamin D three K two because I live in New York city and I work all the time and I don't see the light of day. Let's be honest with ourselves and let alone spending 15 minutes a day naked outside. And like the majority of Americans, I'm vitamin D deficient. And that's so helpful for immunity and for mood. Three random things that you're currently loving. Oof. What am I loving right now? I've been really, I'm really love to, I'm not really good at makeup, but like when I find stuff that I like, it's kind of fun and I'm really into clean beauty. So I've been really liking the Merit, M-E-R-I-T, I think is yeah. how it's spelled. Is that how it's spelled? Yeah beauty line lately. I have been watching Friday night lights for the first time because that's like what I do. That's fun. Breastfeeding. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like not a TV person. So I'm like real late to the party on this stuff. People (laughs) I've been really loving that. And I have to thank you all for the purely Elizabeth, like the, the awesome granola and pancake mix for my kids that is actually got high protein. I have to thank you for that gift. So like weekend breakfast that I don't have to feel bad about giving my kids. Um, super helpful. So those would be my three. Thanks. What do you want more of in your life? Time on the beach. <laughs> and any in particular beach on your mind right now? Oh my God, girl, put me on a beach anywhere in the sun and warmth. And I'm so happy. I'm like a clam. I just sit there like a lizard. I'm just like, I am happy. This is where I'm meant to be. Like (laughs) no makeup, no clothes, (laughs) just like plot me there. I'm so good. I feel you. Yeah. What do you want less of in your life? Mm. Screen time. Honestly, screen time. I would like less. A meal that you'll never forget. Mm. That's a tough one. Oh, <laughs> on my honeymoon, we were in Spain and we went to those, like one of those fancy restaurants that you like only go to on your honeymoon. That's got like a zillion courses and we sit down and it's this beautiful place and we're all dressed up and they go, do you like bread? And we were like, yeah. And then they go, we don't have any bread. Here is this plate of rocks. And we were like, what? And the rocks were like, they were actually these like perfectly cooked little potatoes that has somehow looked like a pile of rocks. And it was like one of those meals where everything looked like something else. Oh, that's so we cool. Like, went into this, ro- you thought you were biting into a rock, but it was a potato. <laughs> it was so weird. I will never forget that. I'm like, you know, what people do with food out there, like whatever gets you going, man, if this is your craft, like, cool. <laughs> no bread, but here's your rocks. <laughs> that's hilarious. What's your superpower? speed reading. 
I can read it really fast and I can glean like 90% of the critical information from something and it drives everyone around me nuts because I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been useful in medical school. (laughs) I mean, it saved me in medical school. It was the only reason I had a life in medical school is because I was such a fast reader. But yeah, my classmates were always like, you're so annoying. You're always (laughs) done studying. And I'm like, it's just because I read really fast. What's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Mm. I mean, we, we said this earlier, but it's eat, it's food. Like I I just, I will go out of my way. I will not eat the bad thing. I will do anything. I will get creative in that airport. The airports drive me nuts. Yeah. Airports are such a bomb of like terrible food. And you're like, Oh, so I'll find the like nuts or the trail mix or the thing. I'll, I pack my lunch. If I have any ability to pack before a flight, I will bring my own food. I'll go to the grocery store, but you know, plain food and airport food is just like, no way. Totally. And in closing, what is next for you? And what do you think is next in wellness? Oof. You know, next for me is just more of the same. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to have this book out. I'm like, it was a, such a labor of love. I I will not be, I see these amazing people write a book every year. That is not happening for me. Um, but I am thrilled to have it out in the world and to keep sharing its message. So that's kind of a little bit more next for me. And then just more parsley, we're nationwide online available via telehealth and we're starting to work with employers and insurance companies. So there's just really big stuff in the works there. We also have parsleyhealth.com slash insights, which is a way place where you can get your health score along with some other new things to check out for people who are maybe not in need of or ready for medical care, but want to start taking ownership of their health and getting some of our insights on how they can do that. And then in terms of wellness, I think we're going to continue seeing in this next year, I think mental health is going to continue to be in the spotlight as it needs to be. We need more access. We need better classes of medications. The drug classes out there are frankly all really old. So I hope that pharma can give us some breakthroughs. And then I'm also really excited to see psychedelics coming up and the research from Sean Hopkins at NYU and other top research centers on how psychedelic medicines like MDMA, psilocybin, and ketamine can be powerful tools, especially for people who are suffering from diagnosed major depressive disorder, PTSD. This is not recreational use people. And I write about psychedelics in the book um, because I think they're going to be one important tool in the tool basket when delivered in a medically supervised setting in alongside therapy, right? This is, again, it's not for fun. This is to treat illness. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see a lot more of uh, food as medicine in the sense of like, I just talked about psychedelics and right, there's magic mushrooms, but just on the medicinal mushrooms. So mushrooms that you eat inside of the house, lion's mane, reishi, these mushrooms are really powerful medicinal tools. And so I think continue focus on food as medicine in general. I'm starting to see food as medicine, by the way, we're here on this podcast, which is all about nutrition and health and wellness and well-being, And yet it, those topics, unfortunately are not a big topic in the healthcare world <laughs> where, where I also okay. spend a lot of my time bizarrely, because if they were, we would have a lot fewer problems, people, but the hope is I'm starting to see people get that. So even the sort of general medical services, you're seeing more and more implementing. Now, in my point of view, it's kind of lightweight, but at least it's a start. Food as medicine is part of kind of standard of care. And I just think that's where this is all going and it it has to. And so Parsley's on the forefront of that. Places like the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine are on the forefront of that. But you're going to see, I think, more and more standard (laughs) conventional medical um, systems start to adopt that in recognition of its power. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, it's super exciting. So thank you, Robin, for all that you're doing. Everyone go out and get state change and congratulations again on the launch. Thank you so much. So great to see you.
If this conversation today inspired you and you're interested in becoming a member of Parsley Health, you can use code PURELY, that's P-U-R-E-L-Y, for $150 off the membership fee. We're also doing a fun giveaway for three lucky winners. Simply comment on our Instagram post for the podcast and follow Parsley Health on Instagram, and three lucky winners will receive a copy of Robin's new book, State Change. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.